Hi listeners, I'm Ryan Chen, host of Taiwanese Pro Ball. Friday, March 19th, a Plus Basketball weekly guest episode with basketball writer Raja. Quick recap of the weekend before we get into the meat of the show. Saturday afternoon, Pilots without Davon Reed, Guan Dayo, and Quincy Davis, a game-time scratch, keep it close through three quarters, but the Lioneers coax seven pilot turnovers in the fourth to race off to their 105-88 win. It was the debut for Pilots' new import shooter Jordan Chapman, who has been in Taiwan for some time waiting for his opportunity. Bad news for the Lioneers, however, as LaDante Henton was crashed into in consecutive offensive plays in the fourth and left the game clutching at his right knee. Saturday night, another young dreamer stepped up with a scoring outburst. This time, it was forward Randall Walker who poured in 33 points on 7-for-12 three-point shooting, but the Braves built a big enough cushion to hang on 99-94. Singletary again led the Braves in scoring for a third straight night, this time with 27. Sunday afternoon, the Lioneers' Hashim to beat was the fourth quarter hero with three blocks and 10 points, while the team had their season best day shooting beyond the arc 46%. Dreamers got 41 from Tucker in their first loss to the Lioneers, 112-105. Scary moment in the first minute of the fourth where Amigo tried to steal the dribble off Dawson in transition, but the two players' knees collided and they both went down. Both would be helped off the court. These two teams, especially the coaches and management, had developed a distaste for each other and it erupted a few times in yelling matches on the court. No official word on the dispute themselves or any resulting discipline. Sunday night, the Braves blew out the Pilots from the start. All 12 Braves scored and Josh Zogoyu dished out 11 assists, tying the league high to the delight of his teammates. Kadeem Jack of the Pilots played just 24 minutes and Chapman got 40 minutes as part of his conditioning buildup. Braves set a few records in this one, most assists in the game with 39, highest halftime score 71 in the first half, highest game score of 124 and largest margin of victory at 30, and highest combined score with this 124-94 shellacking. This weekend has huge playoff implications. The Pilots' clinching number is 2, the Dreamers' magic number is 3. If these teams can reach 10 wins, they are out of reach of the last place Lioneers, who are currently 6-14. But the Lioneers have won the last 3 of 4, and the Pilots look very vulnerable with their injury situation. Dreamers could clinch their playoff spot with 2 wins, Saturday, March 20th against the Lioneers, and Sunday, the 21st against Pilots, both games at 2.30 in the afternoon in Taizong at Taiwan University of Sport. English broadcast with coach Ben and I for both games as well. We'll see you guys on air. Today's guest from India, enthusiastic part-time basketball writer, Rajit. Welcome onto the show, bud. Hey, Ryan. I've been a long-time listener to the show, so it's been great to have me on. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh, my pleasure is mine. Let's get started. So what is your first basketball memory, and did that get you hooked on the game right away? Yeah, so uh, my first basketball memory was the first basketball game that my dad took me to, which was at uh, the American Airlines Arena. Mm -hmm. And I watched the Dwayne Wade Heat take on the Chris Paul-led New Orleans uh, uh, team. And that was something that, you know, it was the first experience for me. It was my first time venturing into basketball. I went to school the next day and I just couldn't stop telling people about it. And I just started playing basketball and I was, I was hooked since then. So it was that first Heat game for me that just really got me over the line. That's excellent. All right. When did you start to follow basketball in Taiwan specifically? And how do you keep up? 
I think uh, for my my story of following uh, Taiwanese basketball is pretty much the same as every other person outside of Taiwan that started following basketball. It's a pandemic, uh, and that really like uh, pushed things over the edge for me to start following because I followed the Indian national team on you know their FIBA games, and I started noticing that you know FIBA started broadcasting the SPL games uh, sometime last season towards the end. So mm-hmm. I. I, I told myself, oh, okay, fine. This is cool. This is new, and it was even more incentivized by the fact that Sim Bulhar, who's an Indian origin uh, basketball player, was playing on the Dinos at that point in time. So I just thought it was going to be a really good uh, watch, and I just got into it. And after uh, kind of venturing into the SBL, I started seeing this new hot league. The Plus League is going to start, and you know, a lot of good, you know, funding. The media was great, and I just said, this is something I need to dive straight into. So. That's how I've been watching it. I've been following it on YouTube. Whenever there's a live game, I catch it. Especially the English broadcasts, love Thank them. Thank you very much. So, I've been I've been trying to watch it, and uh, hopefully soon I'll start trying to build like uh, fan pages. Uh, you know, these foreign fan pages that you know other leagues have as well, so other people can start keeping track with it as well. Very cool. Now you kind of mentioned it here too. Tell me about the process of writing about one of our plus league players, Anthony Tucker, you yourself have maybe, could we say a basketball blog and that's going on for a little bit while. And so one, the Anthony Tucker piece, how was the process writing that? And what are you going to work on next? Sure. Uh, as, as you've seen, my basketball blog is called playing to the whistle. And uh, I was just really intrigued because I've seen some of Anthony Tucker's playing through the ABL uh just a few games here and there and I was already quite interested and then when the Dreamers signed him now for the plus league season uh, I just thought this is somebody I really wanted to follow I saw his work in the preseason in the first few games of the season as well and I just there are two types of players in basketball that I really like uh, those people that can like smile through everything and the other type is people who are just laser focused and Anthony Tucker is one of the most focused players I have ever seen. Nothing phases him. He's always running strong to the basket, you know, always trying to create opportunities. He knows how to take over. So as soon as I saw that, I said, you know, I really need to interview him. So the process was I kind of, uh, you know, DM'd him on Instagram. Uh, and then I kind of got a kind of questionnaire back and forward, uh, kind of kept asking him a bit of follow-up questions. And then I just kept doing my research about his NCAA career because I wanted to put in some of those tidbits as well. And the Plus League really helps me out because they have some advanced stats on their website. So that really helps out as well because I can only record so much whenever I'm watching him. Uh, so yeah, I, that, that was basically my process and I really wanted to write about him. He's a player I like. And right now, my next venture uh, is my interview with Charles Garcia. Uh, I was, I've been interested in him from his SBL days and uh, I really wanted to get things going with him and also find out a lot about his local culture and heritage in Belize. So I, Charles Garcia is my next interview that should be coming out sometime soon as well. And uh, I, I'm also really trying to get an interview with the Dreamers coach, Julius, because I really like that he's a coach and he's also a GM coach for a Canadian league. And just juggling those jobs is as difficult as it is. And I've, I've really liked how the fans have warmed up to him being, you know, the foreign coach in the team. So those are my next two projects. Hopefully that's going to kick off soon. Oh, very cool. We'll definitely retweet, give that a shout out when they come out. Now I'm on to the basketball side of things. So talking about the plus league, maybe give me one import and one local player who has surpassed your expectations so far. Sure. 
Uh, and the, my import player, I want to preface this by saying, I think he's a great person. I always thought he was a great person. And I really love the work that he's done generally, you know, in Taiwan as an ambassador. I think you know where I'm going with this. Uh, and, you know, I, lo I love the fact that, you know, the citizenship, how he's been able to kind of let go of that and acquire a new, the new citizenship and kind of be part of the local basketball culture in Taiwan. But I really thought Quincy Davis was not going to be as good as he is right now. When he was signed uh, by the pilots, I really thought, you know, he's been out of the basketball for so long. There's no way he's going to be able to catch up. I thought it was more of a social media signing where you wanted somebody within the community to kind of hype up, get, you know, crowds in. But I mean, he's a walking double-double at this point. So, I, I mean, he proved me wrong. There is egg on my face for that take. Uh, and yeah, he's definitely heavily surpassed my expectations. Uh, and on a similar lines, uh, the local player I have to go with is Amigo. I mean, he's like pretty much like 37 years old. How do you still do it? Uh, and it's just day in and day out, you know, he's just been, you know, showing us on both ends of the court, you know, whether it be offensively or defensively, he's been extremely reliable. Uh, it, you know, he's been able to create that spacing. I mean, the fact that he, you know, went up against uh, Hashim the Dream so often in the recent matchup against the Lioness, I mean, it's like heart of a lion, you know. <laughs> uh, he's helped them with the length, but, you know, it's a small ball team, so there's a lot of strain on him defensively. And he's kind of lived up to the expectation and he brings the points when it's required. And, you know, he's he's not somebody that defenders sag off on. You know, they still show him that respect, you know, even though he's like 37 years old. So he's been doing great as well. He surpassed my expectations. And I mean, maybe maybe you can even make it back to the national team. You know, wow, you never that know. would be something. Huh? Actually, maybe you need to revisit the import player because don't forget, Quincy Davis is listed in our league as a local player. I know. But that I know. That's a good answer. I, I know that I kind of want. I know that he's listed as a local player, and typically for an import player, I go with Tucker. But I feel like I've given him so much credit nope. already. And yeah. I wanted to shine light on, on Quincy Davis, even though he doesn't play the import role. I know he plays the fourth quarter, but with another import player. But I do think he's he's still an integral part of that fourth quarter for the for the Pilots. Absolutely, of course. Hoping that he can make it back onto the floor. The Pilots looking. Like a completely different team without him. Of course, also trying to yeah. work in Jordan Chapman at the same time. Now, the standings of the Plus League haven't actually moved in weeks. I believe I counted it was seven weeks that Braves on top, yeah. then Pilots, then Dreamers, then Lioneers. But a few things have changed in the last two weeks. And kind of from your perspective, what has been the most important kind of shift that might actually lead to a standings change? I think the most important shift is uh, the Braves. I think the the Braves have been getting a little complacent in their last couple of games. We saw them take it to the wire with the Lioneers, something that it just, it just seemed flat. And I think one of my bigger complaints with the Braves is Igor Zaitsev. And, uh, and, and the reason I say this is he's a wonderful player, but it's a problem that I saw him within the SPL as well. It's just getting up and down the court seems to be, you know, it's like he's, he's like dragging weights around when he's, when he's trying to like run up and down the court. And his most successful matchup ironically was always against him who is pretty much as slow as him moving up and down the court so <laughs> it, it's an ideal place for him but he also gets frustrated really quickly if you start scoring against him in the post you start forcing him into uh you know transition defense he starts getting frustrated he starts plugging at your jersey which is great if you're the opposition you've already gone in his head so i think definitely the braves rotationally they're great the best coach team the fact that they can have 
Lynn coming off the bench, uh, playing bench minutes, the fact that they can mm-hmm. have Brandon Smart playing bench minutes. I mean, it's just amazing. Top to bottom, they're the best roster. But I do think the shift, the kind of equilibrium that's giving teams more confidence is they're able to challenge the Braves more now. And if they're able mm-hmm. to kind of close that gap with the Braves, you know, when going up against each other, it's always going to be a little more competitive, I feel. And the fact that the Dreamers have a one point, one game, uh, well, they're just one game off the, the Pilots. So, true. you know, you never know when those, when they, they when those both start going back in front, then you know, the, the Braves are going to start having some problems. All right. Things to look forward to. Maybe, maybe a few more weeks, even a few more months down in the future. Now, let's get focused on this weekend, the really key matchups we have. Lioneers versus Dreamers, Pilots versus Dreamers, a lot of playoff implications, and things could be set this weekend. What do you see in these two matchups? So let's go with the most important one of all. I'd say the Pilots versus the Dreamers. I mean, it's just the one game between them. This is potentially going to equalize them. And, 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 you know, this weekend alone, the Dreamers could get ahead of the Pilots if they they win both their matchups. Mm -hmm. It's extremely possible. Uh, You don't necessarily need to go full throttle when you're against the Lioneers, but I'm also, I could be wrong here because they've had a good stretch of three games. I mean, they did take the Braves, uh, you know, they did take the Braves all the way. They did notch up two wins, their last two wins. They have mm-hmm. been performing at a pretty high level. Brandon Dawson, man, like, how are you going to, how are you going to stop him? He is a force. And <laughs> Hashim, the dream, has has now started, you know, kind of molding into the role that he needed to be in. You know, before mm-hmm. it was just, he would sit in the paint. If you started taking mid-ranges against him, he was basically just going to get you two or three blocks a game, but it was like novelty blocks. He wasn't really, you know, getting you uh, good, you know, good marks on defense. Now he's signed to move up front. He's signed to challenge shooters. He's becoming a bit of a problem as well. So the Lioners could be challenging. I still think the Dreamers are going to take that game, but uh, I think the key matchup there, and, you know, I, this is something that I know a lot of people won't really think about, Tank. I think it's uh-huh. Tank versus Hashim. And the reason I say this is because Tank isn't on the floor for a long period of time. But whenever he is, when he's getting beaten, that's a six to eight point swing easily. He gets nervous. He starts fouling. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, you're putting them on the line. It's like six to eight points. Next thing you know, you're going to have to sub in Tucker. He's not getting in enough rest. You know he has to play that fourth quarter, right, For the as the import uh, player for the, the Dreamers. So I really think if Tank steps it up, he can somehow limit the passes moving towards uh, Hashim, get him out of post position, make sure you can't put that, you know, that move and dunk on him, then I, I think that really changes the game because Jaren Young's been able to intercept the ball coming to Hashim quite a few times. They've had, a, you know, a bit of a, you know, bit of a, you know, kind of competitive matchup, not more than Brendan Dawson and Jaren Young, of course. That's the ideal matchup that they're usually placed against. But because it's small ball, you see them shifting so often. You see Amigo trying to match up against uh, Hashim quite a bit. But the one person I think really has to step up is Tank. And if he does, I think they do win that game. I do think the Dreamers have what it takes. Uh, the Pilots, uh, again, is going to be making sure Quincy Davis commits more to an inside game. Don't let him stretch the floor. Don't let him start getting hot from the three. As soon as he does that, as soon as he, he kind of enables or embodies that stretch position, then you're, the, the Dreamers are going to have an uphill battle versus versus, you know, the the pilots. And especially, they need to make sure they're in a good position entering the fourth quarter. You can't expect Anthony Tucker to put up 20 points for you in the fourth quarter. Uh, the fourth quarter seems to be the Dreamers' biggest struggle. You know, they, sure. seem to, they seem to start kind of getting a little flat and a uh, little inconsistent come the fourth quarter. So they, I think they do need to enter in the third quarter with a pretty sizable lead, you know, maybe eight or 10 points, 
kind of get the pilots off a of balance. And that's the way they win. But this is going to be an extremely entertaining matchup. It's always physical. It's the quintessential small ball versus big man team. So it's going to be extremely fun to watch, especially I think it's going to be a high impact, high offense game. And I, I do expect another, you know, 40 point game from Anthony Tucker. Wow. I, I do think he's, right. going to, he's going to rise into it would be coming on a, a, the back end of a back-to-back, but we have seen him do it, so it is possible. Yeah. Now, yep. maybe exactly. visiting back with the Braves, if we're kind of looking ahead, what are the keys to taking them down, on the other hand? Kind of mentioned the, the, you know, the lack of focus, a little bit complacency. They are the presumptive number one seed with about, how many games do we have left? With about maybe a, a 20% of the season left, and then they have to sit out the first round, so... How are maybe how are other teams gauging their own chances against the Braves, and what are the keys there? One side of me just says it's impossible. You can't beat the Braves; they're just better than everybody on paper. But to look at it from a more realistic sense, I do think that some of the key takeaways to beating the Braves is getting on them early and getting on them consistently for the first half. Uh, I, I know this might seem like a false prophecy because they overcame a twelve-point lead in the first quarter; like it meant nothing. Right, uh, and uh, and and it was it was basically just the coaching the coaching staff is just elite the ability to make those changes on the fly you know to take out Lynn to kind of substitute put in uh, rotate the ball more to Charles Garcia let him take over I think that was very good decision making uh, it, it's nearly impossible to outcoach them but Julius is one hell of a coach I do think the Dreamers do stand a chance if they do become a little more consistent. I do think their ability to knock down the mid-range does allow, give them that space. It does make Zaitsev have to take that one or two steps forward, free up the baseline for Amigo. I do think that the Dreamers do have kind of the ability to, you know, it's a bit of, you know, schoolyard basketball, if you kind of think about it. It's a lot of ball movement. It's a lot of player movement. And I think that that, that's your only key, trying to move the ball as much as possible with the Braves. You basically need to play a perfect game if you want to beat the Braves. And you need to hope that they go flat. And because I, I think that has been one of the one of the smaller problems that the Braves have had is if they do they do have a good rotational uh, rotational in-game lineup going on where they know who to sub out and who to sub in when, and they know how to make a good bench lineup work. But one of the problems I do see is they, they sometimes have an approach. And they're very solid in their approach. And they keep hammering that nail to the head. And when that's not working, when those when you're not able to complete those drives to the basket, they don't seem to reinvent by moving out towards the three, trying to produce a mid-range shot. They do seem to have uh, kind of set plays that they need to go against. They, they can't call an audible as quickly as other teams do. And I, I say a lot of that because they don't really have kind of that independent firepower, you know, you know ISO player that some of these other teams have. You have Brendan Dawson for the Lion years. You have Anthony Tucker for the Dreamers. Uh, you know, you have sometimes Quincy Davis plays that role for the Pilots. Uh, and you kind of see that when these when, when people kind of have that ISO player, somebody who can take over, that, you know, kind of makes the variables all the more. But the Braves don't necessarily have that person who's who's ready to always take up that key slot. You see Charles Garcia, he's, he's a very good team player. As soon as he brings up the board, the first thing he looks for is the next person on the ball. So is Jet. So is the Beast. Uh, they're very good at sharing the ball. They're very good at making things work. But if they start missing, take advantage of those key matchups with Zaitsev. And I think you might have a chance. Oh, okay. Pointing out Big Z as possible weakness a couple times. Wow, that's quite a challenge from Rajat on the big guy. <laughs> All right. 
Now let's kind of think to the future and take your time with this if you need to. What are some things that the Plus League needs to do to establish itself, not only in the Taiwan market, but in the eyes of Asian basketball, really maybe one for the survival of its own sake, but also how do you think it has to do what it needs to do to grow itself and, you know, make its presence permanent? I do think one thing that, you know, uh, the Plus League got right is localizing the teams more instead of kind of corporatizing them as uh, some Asian leagues do. And I, I think why that's good is you look at the Fubon Braves attendance. It's basically they're almost selling out every game. You know, it's it's a difficult place to play in. <laughs> you know, if you have a home game against them, they are loud. You're not going to be able to take that clutch free throw if you want to. Uh, and, and, and I think some of the teams are doing well. Uh, they have a good marketing. I've heard the Lioneers have a very good marketing team that, you know, kind of pushes their attendance. Uh, and, and I got that through your podcast. <laughs> uh, and uh, some of, I think some of the things that are going on is good. I do think uh, the way to get to the next level, especially outside the market, uh, and I can speak to the Taiwanese market in more of a limited sense because of my limited knowledge. But I think the outside market, the way to do it is start developing, you know, good, robust fan clubs. Uh, I think the nicknames are a good part of that. It's a good start. Uh, but I, I saw that work for, you know, the CPBL where you have like a British and a US kind of affiliate fan clubs that have started. Mm-hmm. But even the Weichang Dragons, it's their first season back, you know, after a very That's long true. time. And they have a US fan club uh, Twitter mm-hmm. account. So I think kind of setting up that kind of fan engagement with foreign fans definitely does help. I think the Plus League has gotten everything right in terms of entertainment. It's fast-paced. Uh, you know, it's they're playing the same minutes as, you know, the NBA. It's 12 minutes per quarter. And, you know, their halftime shows are great. It's fun to watch. Even if you don't completely understand the language, you're still going to be pretty involved. It's a very immersive experience. I do think if they open up a bit, though, I think that's going to definitely, you know, do them real good, uh, especially with the teams kind of engaging more international, international delivery. The Fubon Braves came out with a coming out with a card set, which I think is has been great for engagement in other countries. Whenever you know you start, you know, rolling out cards, and I think that's going to help the local Taiwanese market as well. Uh, I, I definitely think uh, social media, if they start engaging more with uh, different, you know, people across different nationalities. That's that's all it's going to take because it's quality basketball at the end of the day and it's entertainment. And I, I think it's very easily consumable. It's very good entertaining basketball end to end. The commentary that you do is amazing. Wow. Uh, you. you know, oh, and I always, I've always loved how, you know, you have, you know, these angels and all of these other, you know, the, how the cheerleading teams are kind of personified more. I think that's part of the culture as well. And that's been great because there's a lot of, there's a lot of good interaction there. And I think that definitely helps as well. Oh, very cool, Rajat. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. One more time for our audience, go ahead, go ahead and give a shout out to the pieces you are, the sites that you work for or that you start on your yeah. own. So, yeah, so I, I currently manage my own blog, which is Playing to the Whistle. Uh, I also offhand write for uh, one, one India's most famous sports journalism blog called Sports Kira. And I've also written a couple of pieces for this new and upcoming uh, sporting agency called the Sports Rush. So I've been doing some work for them. I've done some work for Sports Kira. But uh, yeah, please do check out my blog, Playing to the Whistle. I'll be covering a lot more Asian basketball, uh, Indian basketball, and trying to show the world what they're missing out on. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. See you. See you. Thank you. <laughs>